0: Hello, thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith.
1: Good morning, my name is Pastor David, I'm the associate pastor here. I'm going to ask our children to come forward for our children's time this morning for Easter morning. So that would be about 6th grade and below, those who want to come up. So our children please come up. Sit on these steps here. You can start by sitting on the the ground all the way up to top. You can come off to the sides if you need to a little bit. I'm going to lay this out for no apparent reason. I always like to try something around here. Got my assistant here. That should be good. Got a good, nice, and pretty, colorful group here. Step to the side for a second. Pictures. (laughs) All right, guys. I'm going to focus on them, so if my back's turned to you, that's why. What is this? Yeah, most importantly, chocolate right? It's candy. How many of you guys like candy? Double hands, hands. yes. I love candy. My favorite Easter candy is probably the, the, I I like Sour Patch Kids, yes, but that's not Easter, is the Starburst Jelly Beans. You guys ever have the Starburst Jelly Beans? And guess what's the best part about the Starbush jelly beans? They are available year round. (laughs) So my Easter candy never runs out. What's some of your favorite Easter candy? Yep, Levi. Um, Skittles. Skittles. I love Skittles too. Yep, Dave. What'd you say? Oh, you said something. Dave? Chocolate. Good. Bennett? M&Ms, nice. Yep. Chocolate bunnies. Chocolate bunnies. Good. Well, I got one right here. Zach. Jolly Ranchers. Jolly Ranchers. Those are good. Yep. Jelly beans, Just any? Do you like the the black licorice jelly beans? No. My wife does. Yep. Jelly beans. Good. We like Easter candy, right? Yeah. But is Easter about Easter candy? No, and we talk about this every year, but that's good to talk about, all right? Easter is more than about the Easter candy. Actually, it is about the message of God sending his son, Jesus Christ, down to earth to die on the cross for our sins, right? What are sins? Yep. Yep. And one of the things we say in Iwana is things that we think, say, or do that disobeys God or displeases God. That is our sin, all right? And so Easter is about God providing a way and sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, okay? And that he rose again three days later. And this is the day that we celebrate is Christ raising from the dead, all right? So if Easter is only about the candy, then we're missing something, right? And if we're missing something, then it's hollow, right? What does hollow mean? What does hollow mean? Yep. No middle. middle. Empty. Yep. So this chocolate bunny, while it's huge, the package has to say it on there. What does it say? Hollow. Hollow. All right. Nice. Big chocolate bunny. Now, do you think there was chocolate bunnies back in the Easter story in Bible times? No, I don't. I don't think they were there. They said, "Oh, Jesus, you rose from the dead. Here's a chocolate bunny for you." No, <laughs> you want to eat this? Well, it wasn't there, and so we talk about it being hollow. And the adults are already know. They already, can already think about why I have this this thing here. Right? Don't worry, don't come for this chocolate, okay? So what is it? Hollow, it's empty. Easter, oh, I'm stepping on chocolate now. Oh, there he goes again. Easter is hollow, it is empty without Jesus, without the message of Christ. Without knowing that God sent his son. All right? Because God loved you so much. What does John 3.16 say? I know a lot of you know it. If you don't, that's okay. But say it loud with me. Say it loud with me. John 3.16. And we all have different versions. That's okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us. Judah's just staring into lights. It's all good. He loved us so much that he did that for us. But that's a empty, that's a hollow message. When we add Jesus to it, I think I just said that Jesus was empty hollow. That's not what I meant. You know what I mean. When we add Jesus to it, we have these crosses here, okay? This is also made out of chocolate. I'm going to snap this one in half. I'm not doing it disrespectfully. And by the way, you guys are going to eat these later anyway. So, all right. I snapped it in half. Not hollow, is it? It's solid. When we focus on the cross, it is a solid message. He wants the chocolate. A solid message. All right. When we focus on the cross, there is a message of hope. I'm going to read one more verse to you and then we'll finish up here. Says all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation or hope. We have hope because of Jesus. First Peter one three. Let's pray. Then we'll. I have some solid crosses for you. You can let them go. Too. I think he'll skip the chocolate. No. We'll pray, and then I've got some crosses for you. And the adults, there's crosses that are going to be out there for you as well. Miss Georgia made them. You guys know Miss Georgia? Many of you do. Yep, so you can give her thanks for these. But she made these for everybody here today, so there'll be some out on the the table. But let's go ahead and close this time in prayer. Lord, we give you thanks for this day that we can come and celebrate jesus and what he did for us on the cross lord and what a magnificent awesome amazing thing that his that your son did for us on the cross lord we thank you for that sacrifice and i know we'll talk about it more today and i pray that if anybody doesn't understand that they would listen carefully and focus on on what this message is today we pray this all in jesus name amen good morning
0: He is risen. Amen. Amen. Uh, A couple of the guys are giving us a hard time. Greg's like, good job. I said, can I play? He wouldn't let me jump on. And then Ryan said, you should have just stood on the steps. But I didn't want to come across as high and mighty. Honestly, I didn't want to fall and I probably would have fell off of the steps. So uh, if you have your Bibles, if you would, turn them to the book of Ephesians. Um, The passage that I'll be reading this morning will also be up on the screen. My name is Pastor Aaron, and I have the great privilege of being the senior pastor here at West Hill. And we're really glad that you've come and you decided to worship with us today. You know, I was thinking um, earlier this week, and uh, last year was probably one of the lowest parts for me as a pastor to do a service on Easter Sunday... And I sat at a desk in the middle of this place, and there was nobody except for Pastor David um, back at the soundboard. It was one of the saddest Sundays for me, the saddest Easter's. Um, But it makes this day a little bit more sweeter. And uh, today we celebrate. We celebrate our risen Savior. And so, whether that's in our homes like we did last year, or we're together, uh, we've been blessed. We are extremely blessed. And so I've been praying for each of you that God would bring who he desires to be with us here in person and online as well, and that God will continue to protect us and watch over us. And I'm thankful for the ways that he has done that in this past year. I don't know about you, but sometimes we go through life and we forget where we were. Uh, sometimes we become too familiar with where we are. Um, I I walk in my house now and uh, we bought our our home back in uh, 2001. And you know, when you first walk in the house, when you first buy something, everything just kind of stands out at you, right? And one of the things that stood out to me was this big, huge Oak tree um, that's in our backyard and it's humongous. It's awesome. Who knows how old it is, but it was, it's just huge. Well, over the years now, Um, now that we've lived there for that long, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see that oak tree in the same way. I, it's become so familiar to me that it's kind of lost its specialness. And in fact, it kind of does the opposite, especially in the fall, right? When all those leaves and acorns fall and you're kind of like, man, here we go again. (laughs) Let's come on kids. They're like, we don't want to do leaves. Come on, you're doing it. Let's go. And, um, and so I think that same can be true in any area of our life. And I think Paul is reminding um, in this letter to the church in Ephesus, he's reminding them of what's special. And so today's title of our message is that what we were is not who we are. What we were is not who we are. And so I want to read this passage to you, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. So if you would follow along with me in Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 22. And then we're going to jump over to chapter 3 and look at verses 14 through 21. So Ephesians 2, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, And you were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now jump down a few verses, chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. When we look at this passage, um, it's quite lengthy, and I'm sure some of you are like, hey, this is Easter, it's supposed to be simple, quick, get us out of here. I promise not to dwell too much uh, on this, and we're not going to walk word by word. But there are a few things that I think really clearly point out um, a purpose here as Paul's writing this. First, Paul says this. He says, you were. And he uses this phrase over and over again. It's worded a little bit different. He says, you were, or you once walked, or you once lived, or at one time. He's talking about where you were. He says, here you were at one time. And this is his description. He says, you were dead in your sin, in your trespasses. You were following the world or the prince of the power of air. You were stuck in your passions of your flesh. You were carrying out the desires of your body and your mind. You were children of wrath. You were Gentiles. You were considered uncircumcised. You were separated from the Messiah. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Remember who Israel was. Israel was God's chosen people. So this meant that, as Paul writes, you were strangers to the covenants of promise. Paul goes on and he says this, you have no hope. You are people having no hope. And ultimately, he says this, it was like there was no God in your world. And in fact, he says, you were far from God. That's where they were. That's where I was maybe that's where you were, but God, but God, who is what? Well, Paul describes him. He is rich in mercy. He loved us with great love. He displayed grace by showing his immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness, he's given a gift, that gift, God's grace. God is our peace. What did God do? Well, Paul makes it very clear. We are not able to boast if we are not who we were. If we're different today, why are we different? Can we push out our chests and can we stand up straight and say, yes, look at all that I have been able to accomplish. Paul says, no, it is a gift and it's by God's grace that no one may boast. So what happened to get us from being far from God to being, what's the opposite? Close. Close. So what happened? Well, God is gracious. He's kind. He is loving. But Paul goes more than just to describe the character of God. He actually tells us what God did. God made us alive. So while we were dead in our trespasses, dead in our sin, and let me, Pastor David did an excellent job. Anything that we think, say, or do that's contrary to who God is. That's the opposite of God. If God is the bullseye, we miss it every time. God is perfect, we are not. That's why children this morning ran around and they were crying because they didn't get to eat their candy because they thought and demanded that they had the right to eat the candy when they wanted to do it. You know what? Unfortunately, there's some adults who do that today, and it's not about candy. It's you are not getting your way in life. And so you're going to shake your hand at God. And ultimately, left to ourselves, what Paul is saying, we are dead in our trespasses, in our sin. But Christ does something miraculous. We go from being dead people to being alive. Now, I've never seen anyone who was dead and then come back to life. I've read about them. We read about Lazarus, right? Here's Jesus's friend who has been dead several days and he's weeping. The loss of his friend has overwhelmed him. And Jesus walks in and they tell him, don't go in. It's been several days. And I love what the text says. It says he stinketh. His body is decaying. Don't go in there, Jesus. But Jesus raises him from the dead. A picture of what was to come. That he himself would give his life. Dying on a cross. Having all of our sin nailed to it. All the punishment that we deserve, Jesus took upon himself. We being dead in sin had a sacrificial lamb that died in our place so that Paul can write now to the early believers of the church in Ephesus and say, you were over here, but because of God, you are what you are now alive. He made us alive together with Christ. He saved us. That's a Christian term, right? Well, it's a biblical term. Paul uses it here. He says, God has saved us, meaning we were stuck and we were dead in our sin, meaning we deserve separation from God forever. But God loved us enough that he sent his son, Jesus, and that Jesus Christ died upon the cross. He was buried, and three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. Showing us that he had the power over sin and death. He conquered it. He rose from the dead. And because of that, he offers to us life. He offers us forgiveness. He can save us from our penalty. If we choose to accept that gift of grace. So he saved us. He raised us. What's interesting here? Is this phrase, he raised us up with God. God raised us up with him. He seated us with him. At first I thought this was meaning, this was talking about Jesus. No, the text says that this is seated with God, the Father. In the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. So we get to go In Christ Jesus, and we are seated, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are placed in the heavenly places we get to sit next to the Father, the one who created you and I. We deserve to be punished and away from him forever, separated from him, and there's nothing we could have done but God and his rich love extended us grace He's given us a gift. Paul's reminding them in Christ Jesus, you were brought near to God. You were so far away, but in Christ Jesus, he brought you near. Jesus brought both the Jews and the Gentiles as one. Paul says it broke down the wall of hostility. The Jews had the law. And when they were following the law, that put a barrier between them and the Gentiles because the Gentiles didn't have the law. And so immediately there was this hostility towards one another. And Paul is trying to explain it to let them know that together in Christ Jesus, he has broken down that wall. And now there is this wonderful thing that God has created and it's called the church. It's called the body. So he has made one new man reconciling, he says, both Jew and Gentile to God in one body. How did he do that? Paul says it through the cross. It's through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. And now you are fellow citizens of heaven. I love that. With all that's going on in our world, Paul would describe even the application is so rich for us today that we could be citizens of heaven being built together as a dwelling place for God. That not only were we far from God, but God bringing us together, Jew and Gentile, has now said, I want to come and dwell in you. If you think back to the Old Testament, When God would come, He would appear in the tabernacle. God would come down into the Holy of Holies to dwell with His people there. Yet today, where does God dwell? The Bible says that when we accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of our life, that we are the temple of the living God. When Jesus died upon the cross, the moment that he died, not only was there darkness, not only was there earthquakes, not only was there, their graves that were open and people who raised from the dead, but the curtain in the temple, remember, these are people that God was near, right? The Jews, the temple that separated God from man that only the priest could go in to enter, that veil was ripped. It was torn, not from the bottom up, but from the top down. And this veil was not something like a garment like you and I would wear. It would be something like you taking that chair in front of you and trying to rip it in half. Now, some of you are pretty buff. All right, I don't know if I see anybody who could do that, nor could any really human do that. It was an act of God and it was symbolizing the fact that God was coming to dwell in his people. He would no longer choose to dwell in the Holy of Holies. He would send his Holy Spirit to come and dwell in you and I. There are some who struggle with this thought of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Paul uses it here, actually, in one of these verses. In verse 18, he says, For through him, through who? Through Jesus. Through Jesus, we both have access in one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to the Father. Father, Son, and Spirit. Our God is three in one so that we see here the evidence that God is real and we see where he's taken us from being built together as the body of Christ so that God would dwell in us. So this is all good. This is where we were right where we were. We were dead. We were aliens. We were far from God, but God has been rich to us in his grace and his mercy. Isn't that wonderful? Let's pray and let's go home. Well, as good as that is, I always look for action. All right. What's the takeaway? What's the action? What do we need to do? Well, we'll get to that in just a moment, but I want to show you a couple pictures because just as a reminder and for you to think about where are you today? Where are you today? Now, these are cool pictures because first the first picture is it starts off with Lisa and I and right after we were married. And you can laugh. It's okay. You won't hurt my feelings too much. But all I know is that guy had a whole lot more hair, all right? And there was no gray whatsoever in that goatee. We were young. We were in love. We're still in love. But, man, we were so oblivious to what was to come. What's interesting is you'll see Lisa doesn't change at all in these pictures. She just looks the same. Um, Next one. Please, Lene. So then we added a little one, right? Here's Lene. Our lives begin to really start changing when you add a little child to the mix. And then not only did we have one, but then we had another. Look at us changing. I think my cheeks got a little chubbier. Next. Yes. And then Zachary. Our lives continue to change, and we see them as they're growing and learning, and 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 it's easy to be able to say where we were is not who we are today. We've grown, we've we've learned so much. I am far from perfect and I I have some regrets. I wish I could go back and do some things different, but I can't do that. Part of that's the journey. Part of that's the walk that we have each and every day. When we think about our walk every day with Jesus, don't separate it from what's going on in everyday life. Don't make your relationship with Jesus something that you do whenever it's convenient or whenever you need him. Make him a part every day of your relationship, your relationship with one another, with your family, with your spouse, with your children. Who I was is not who I am today. Right? Paul reminds us, you were dead. You deserved to be separated from God forever. I think some of us become so familiar with the words of our songs of even sometimes of what the scripture says, like that old oak tree, and we forget the beauty of it. And so I want to remind you this morning, let the words of what God has told us be fresh to us this Easter. To be reminded of what God has done. It is truly amazing that we can have an eternal relationship with the God who created us. That God dwells in us to guide us and direct us, to lead us, to help us, to protect us. God has, and will never leave his children. He's promised that. And so, what's the takeaway? Well, let's go back to that, right? The takeaway is this Paul says it in the middle of what we read that ultimately we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works, which God has already prepared, He prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. We don't do good works to earn salvation. We don't do good works so that we can say, well, I was there, but I think I'm good enough now. No, we do good works because that's what God has ordained for his children. That's what he wants us to do. And so how do we live that out? Well, he reminds us in this passage, and I want to read it to you as we close. He wants us to understand how much he loves us. How much does God love us? Let me read it to you again, because this is what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. He says, I want you to know that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted And grounded in love. That you may have the strength. And this is my prayer for you today. That you may have the strength to comprehend. With all the saints. What is the breadth. The length. The height. And the depth. To know the love of Christ. That surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Can we comprehend the love of God? Paul says, no, but I'm praying that you may be strengthened so that somehow, some way you may be able to comprehend how wide, how long, how deep, how far God's love extends. And then he ends with this doxology now to him who is able to do far more abundantly all that we ask or think, that's our God. He can do far more than what you think or what you can even ask for. According to what? According to the power that is at work in us. What is that power? Paul's already told us. That's what changed us. That's why we're not who we were, but we are now. It's because the power of Jesus Christ It's the spirit of God living inside of us. And Paul says it elsewhere in the Bible where he says the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. That power lives in you and me. That's the power that you and I have at our hand. Every single minute of every single day, so that according to the power at work in us, to him be the glory in the church as we gather and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. The great story of Easter Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered sin and death, and it reminds us that we are not who we were. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus and that power lives in us. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for being good to us. Thank you for showing us your mercy and your grace. I pray for any here today who have not yet reached out and accepted that gift of eternal life, that as they sit here, as they listen online. That they will believe in their mind and in their heart and that they would confess with their lips right now, Lord, that they believe that Jesus Christ died in their place. Taking all their sin, all our disobedience, because we miss the mark of perfection. And that you are a perfect and gracious and loving God and you are pure and holy and righteous There is no wrong in you, but there is wrong in us. And so we come confessing, admitting that we sin and we fail you. So we ask for your forgiveness. For those who have never claimed you as Savior and as Lord, I pray that they would do that now. Believing that Jesus died, was buried and rose again three days later. Lord, I pray that we would be reminded and strengthened because we forget we become too familiar. We can lose out Lord on the specialness. And the significance of what Christ has done. So help us to be renewed in our understanding of how significant your love is. And may we walk this day and the days ahead, not in our own power and not in our own strength, being reminded that we couldn't save ourselves, nor should we try to live this life by ourselves. We need your strength and your power. And we thank you for giving that to us. So help us to continue to pursue a close relationship and walk with you. We pray this in the name of Jesus.